Let's do another one. So this month we're doing Batman Black Mirror, one of my favorite Batman stories of all time. This is, of course, by Scott Snyder. This was his first at bat uh, uh-huh. with with the with the Batman. Every time, um, every time. <laughs> it's not on purpose. Sure. Um, one, one day they might strike out. Scott, well, uh, your mileage may vary on what comes after this, but I think this was uh, this was Sean, a tremendous effort. Sean, that was a that was a sports pun. Yeah. Um, I know this hey, is a I comic book podcast. On that one. <laughs> yeah, <I did> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I, Swing and I, miss. I got it. I just, you know, uh, some people feel like he did strike out, um, but uh, not to me. Uh, Jock on one side of the art, on, on one half of the story, and then uh, Francesco Francavilla on the other half. Uh, David Barron did the colors. Uh, Francesco colored himself. Uh, just like James Gordon Jr. in this story, uh, Jared K. Fletcher and Sal Cipriano did the letters for those respective stories. Um, fun little bit of trivia. Uh, this story actually was published between January and October of 2011, which is a longer publishing Over period than I recall. Ago. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Um, fun little bit of trivia. This was actually the last Batman story before the new 52. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, I believe I believe this is Dick's last Batman story, right? Yeah. In this piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he make appearances in cuz Incorporated kept going a little bit into New 52, right? Sure did. Did he did he make appearances there? Not as Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was when New 52 came around, he was Nightwing again. Mm-hmm. And they didn't bring Batman in. Oh, good run, honestly. Good run, good run. Good stuff. <laughs> Red suit. Yeah. Mm. I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Uh, so this is, I, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about this story. I haven't read it prior to now, maybe like five years or something like uh, that. Okay. So, no, <laughs> yeah. of course I've read it. The way you worded <laughs> that was very strange. <laughs> it's my favorite story. I've never read it, but it's, I love the story so much. <laughs> well, I was just so impressed. You know, reading it for the first time. Uh, But before we get into the meat of this, I do want to let you guys know how you can find and support the show all over the place. If you are new here, make sure you leave us a subscribe, a follow, a rating review. Wherever you're listening to us, there is a way to help and support. Listen to our main show, The Comics Pals, which goes live on twitch.tv slash The Comics Pals every single Saturday at 10 in the morning Eastern. You can hang out with us for our main show over there. Or you can listen to it on Mondays when it drops on every other pl- uh, podcast hosting platform, including YouTube, youtube.com slash the comics pals. Subscribe, like the video, share it with your friends. All that stuff's free to do. All of that applies to our Wednesday show, Pals Polls, which is at 6 p.m. Eastern live on Twitch. We review that week's comics on that show, uh, and it's always full spoilers. So if you've read them, come hang out with us. As I mentioned earlier, Prior episodes of the book club have also featured the Batman, the most recent one being Batman Year One, where we talked about what is pretty much the most basic modern interpretation of Batman that there is, what informs all of the rest of Batman, including this very book. Uh, And that's actually something that I really want to talk about, too, is how this story feels like a like a a, almost like a soft sequel, like it's like right on that same track as year one. 
Uh, something that really excited me coming back to this after reading your one. I see your face, Kill. I will break it down. Don't worry. I'm, I'm very interested. So first things first. All of you have read this before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have the issues. Yeah. I have the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I have them, but I, I, I broke out the uh, the nice hard we have, cover. We have the same one, did. I think. Oh, you nice. have the hard cover. Okay. I have. I'm. Okay. No. You're hard. Yeah. I'm soft. You know. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, okay. So we're all initiated. So we will we'll skip the preamble. Uh, we'll do, we're just going to talk about it. So as I said, as we said, this is Dick Grayson as Batman. Huge fundamental difference between Bruce as Batman versus Dick. Uh, Grant told a, a lot of Dick Grayson as Batman stories within the pages of um, you know, his run, their run of Batman. I'm sorry. Um, Batman and, and Robin. that was, yeah, yeah, Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which was a ton of fun. That was mm-hmm. bombastic and exciting. And it was a completely different flavor than this here. It very much felt like Scott said, I want to take the trappings of Batman, uh, what would be a traditional Batman story, but I want to turn it on its head by putting Dick Grayson in that role and sort of see how he, deals with that and as an aside i'm gonna I'm, we're gonna dive into that in a moment how you guys felt about dick grayson in a traditional batman story but as an aside one interesting thing to note is that during scott's uh class he often talks about um on substack by the way he often talks about how he in, tries to inject himself and use his real life fears uh, to incorporate them into his stories and so reading this it was like oh so he's dick grayson He's the new kid on the block. He's, you know, jumping into Batman for the first time and Batman or Gotham is shifting around him and he's scared of what he has to deal with. Now, the new villains that he has to deal with, they're chumps, but he comes across the Joker and that's where he wishes he was, you know, real, the real Batman. That's where he wishes he was Grant or, you know, whoever. Um, So I thought that that was an interesting kind of like look at at the story. (laughs) Now, is it that or is he James Gordon, uh, Jim Gordon, and he's worried his son is a serial killer? I thought about that, too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Based on his what? So previous to this, he would have written uh, American Vampire and Severed, I believe, was the other one. If my memory serves me correctly there. So as a horror horror writer, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So taking those trappings into this, uh, very interesting. But yeah, I hope I hope that the the, the father son relationship between Jim and Jim and James is uh, not autobiographical. <laughs> well, his son would have been you know a baby probably yeah, at that very, time, so he yeah, was thinking baby. like, oh god, if, I'm worried if my son becomes a serial yeah. Don't we all somebody, worry about that though when thinking about like future kids? <laughs> he right. Was, he was worrying someone when somebody was dosing his formula, probably his wife. <laughs> Mm, very dark but what did you guys think about you know dick grayson inhabiting the role of batman in a real batman story a dark brooding uh, 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 story other than you know dick's part of it you you mentioned that the story is dark and brooding which it is it is um but it is uh, dick is the one part of it that isn't Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the part that really sticks out to me. Um, Batman and Robin by Grant Morrison and uh, Frank Whiteley is probably top five comics of all time for me. I love yeah, very good. that run. Uh, 
just like like Professor Pig, Flamingo. It's just it gets really weird. It's not even that long either, but it's really good. Um, but this was uh, this was Detective Comics, so I think um, I think there was a Batman book on the stands, but it was like traditional superhero stuff. That I think was Bruce at the time. Detective, this detective was coming out. So this is where you got Dick in Gotham being Batman in Gotham. Um, just laugh at the word Dick. You're gonna be laughing a lot if we're gonna. Be I'm I'm a mature that. adult. I would never. <laughs> Richard Grayson. Um, there you go. No, so seeing the way, like, how do you deal with essentially Nightwing? And he's a much more uh, light and brings much more levity to situations. How do you translate that to a dark and gritty book that is drawn by two people who I don't really associate with levity? Jock right. and, and Frank mm-hmm. Um But there is a... The way they pull it off, uh, it helps that Dick, I think, has a lot of internal monologuing, which it's a Batman book. A fucking course it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, it's really, it's much more personal than Bruce's. And he's talking about his relationships with other people. And um, the narration is much more human compared to what a Bruce Detective Comics comic would be. Um, so I think that really helps it. But also the way he's drawn and the way he kind of flows through the air, I think, is really important, too. Um, it's much more acrobatic, which makes sense for Dick Grayson. Um, but it, it, it is weird because he is the shining light that's in this really fucked up story. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that was a really good storytelling device to really separate him from Bruce, especially at a time where Bruce was already back at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where Batman and Robin it was really just him. He was the only Batman at the time. So this puts him in a weird place. Like, where does he really belong? Is he really Batman at this point? So kind of solidifying that was really interesting for me. I like that that wasn't a central piece of it, though. Like, his his whole identity. He he felt very at home with, mm-hmm. being, with being Batman and being able to carry on a legacy, being able to carry on sort of the, the role. And I think, to your point, Tyler, he's... Uh, he's a counterpoint to the story because he stands out in the midst of all the mire and the darkness and he is that ray of light that he inherently believes in that Gotham can be right Gotham has its shining moments in the people and he is one of those people that exemplifies that and it's showcased throughout the story it's the and it's the whole antithesis to um to James right James is the evil the same way that at the beginning the cult is the evil of Gotham and only that is the advanced part of whatever it was of humans. But the opposite of that is, well, in order for you to be this um, otherwise humanized person, you can also be kind. And that kindness, I think, comes out of and is written really well um, from Snyder's part. Uh, and, and it helps to balance out the the darkness of it. Um, and I like that a lot because it makes for effective storytelling, but also makes me care about Bruce. I mean, sorry, about Dick in a different way than I did about Bruce. Because Bruce, I, I like I like him because he is bats for bats' sake. He is the um, he's he's the the iconic brooding superhero, and for me, that's not. That's not what Dick is. He's a kind-hearted soul who is trying to do good, and this is one of the means in which he is doing that. 
<clears throat> I um, I don't know. I disagree. I don't particularly like the way Snyder does uh, Dick here. Um, I so anytime I've read this book, I have actually um, I've never gotten it. Hmm. It's always felt weirdly incomplete to me, and I think I think. You know, there have been various points in time where I've probably had to pick it up and then put it back down, and I've not put it all together the way I was able to this time. And now that I read the whole thing and I get it, I, I, I don't like Dick in this type of story. Um, I like him more in what Grant did. Um, there's. I don't know. It just feels it feels too much like Bruce for me. In this story. In this story. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I don't. I can see how the story feels very Bruce. And then Dick's kind of transplanted into that. I can. Yeah. Well, and even even something like Snyder's got a shoehorn in, you know, a a, a Joker for Dick, like. It just doesn't feel, I don't know, it just doesn't feel, I don't know, natural is a dumb thing to say, <laughs> but it just doesn't feel natural. You mean the Joker's inclusion? No, 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 no. Um, giving him a Joker. Uh, you know, the make, trying to make James Gordon Jr. his Joker. Mm. And, you know, if, whether that was successful or whether that was his ultimate intention or dc's ultimate intention you know that being sort of the driving uh thing for james gordon jr just didn't work for me interesting um so i was one of those people at the time who was like i don't care about you know dick grayson being batman i got enough of that in Grant's Batman and Robin, I really want to get back to Bruce. And so Black Mirror was something that I just didn't feel like I needed when it was announced. But as soon as I picked up the first issue, I was like, holy shit. Okay, cool. This is something that I didn't realize I needed, but I'm actually here for this. Um, and I think it's because I like that contrast. It, we were getting to see Dick Grayson in a new light. We never saw him. Mm -hmm. quite this way before not that he changed to match the story at least not to me that just again that contrast um and the fact that you know scott is saying hey now that batman has changed gotham is going to change and gotham is going to throw new tests out there for a new batman i like that as well um i thought that was pretty cool now of course your mileage may vary um, in terms of the successfulness, I guess, of the villains overall. Um, but this is a very seasoned, like Dick Grayson is not, he's new to Batman, but he's not new to Gotham. He's not new to superheroics. So I, I kind of like the fact that none of these villains were really able to like push him to his limits. You know what I mean? Like he kind of handles them pretty well. And so the story is not as much about them to me, it, it was more about Dick Grayson's fears of not quite living up to the task, which, to be fair, 
maybe that doesn't work as well as Scott intended, but I don't think that's Scott's fault. I think this story, I think it works well, but I think it works a lot better if that, if Bruce Wayne is not back yet. The fact that Bruce is back and you know he's alive and everything else takes away from the gravity of the story because in the back of your mind, you kind of know that if things get too hairy, Bruce can just come back. And that's that, you know? Um, and for me, that took away from the story just a little bit. Not only that, but not only can Bruce come back, but he has a whole Batman ink now that can come back. Right. Like, yeah. What is, uh, what's the point, you know? Yeah. So I, I would love to know the behind the scenes of the editorial aspects of this, especially with New 52 on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting story. Grant has spilled some tea on that front uh, in that Bruce was supposed to be gone longer. Um, you know, there, there were so many things like the new 52 wasn't something that they necessarily knew was coming or what it would mean. And so, so many things changed. I mean, to be honest, if you want to extend the metaphor, you could argue that Gotham is DC and that, you know, Dick thinks he's doing one thing, Dick being Scott. And then Gotham says, DC says, now nah, we're doing something else. Um, and that's unfortunate because I, I do think Scott had something really cool here. And to be honest, this book, even more than Grant's Batman and Robin, made me feel like, hey, maybe there's some value in seeing what this looks like year two. Mm. You know? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've always said is that the biggest crime DC committed with the new 52 was not letting Scott Snyder do more with Dick Grayson. Right. It, it would have been cool to see him do Court of Owls with Dick at the center of that, because it would have been a totally different dynamic, I think, um, assuming that he had plans for that. you know, I don't think he did. Okay. Um, his, his pitch uh, from his classes, from what I understand, uh, his pitch for um, Court of Owls was entirely fresh for um, for well for the new 52 mm. and yeah specifically therefore for bruce even though kale's correct but you know dick grayson has a big part to play in that whole court Definitely. of owls storyline yeah. also so um really interesting stuff there and then it's kind of funny because the the like creepy dealer and all of that that mm. uh that dick deals with is almost like a proto court of owls mm-hmm. slash black love, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, Sean, you said something interesting about um, the way that Gotham was sort of putting forth villains for Dick. And I think that that that's a theme that Scott has played with even in the new 52, where he, he makes it like this living, breathing thing where if Bruce is out of the picture, right? Some other sort of amalgamation of darkness, a baddie, whatever it is, will come forth out of the out of the grime of the city to do something. And I think that that uh, that's something that I've always enjoyed about Scott and writing things in Gotham is that he makes the city feel so lived in and and mm-hmm. so much of a a integral part of the people who exist there. Because uh, again, his his central message is even if. Gotham is this shit place to live in. The people who are there are fighting for survival. They're 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 fighters, and they right. will make um they will make themselves find some way to get by. Obviously, whatever crime and stuff excluded from that, but um it 
brings it, it challenges people and um it brings things out of people and in this case out of gotham comes a challenge for bruce in the way that these these uh villains come out yeah i have i have something on that um well i, wanna, I mean th- yeah. that that theme of gotham being evil at its foundation um started i even think in, in gates of gotham which snyder wrote mm-hmm. um which almost becomes a little way too literal towards his end of his uh his batman run and into the the metal stuff where yeah. I think there's literal metal or stone that is evil that gotham is built upon um might have jumped the jumped the shark or killer whale in a way. Oh, that. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's just a central theme that's throughout his his whole that we see kind of the breadcrumbs of here, um, but that follows him throughout his entire bat run, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, just briefly going back to going back to Dick Grayson, um, the differences between him and Bruce, you know, first of all, I really like the fact that there are allusions to the fact that characters here can tell that he's not the original Batman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that I always thought was cool. <clears throat> Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I, I, I wasn't, but <laughs> sorry. Oh, sure. I, no, please. Uh, my favorite one is the Joker. Yeah. yeah I absolutely scene. love that he can 1000% tell and he knows exactly who it is. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was brilliant. Uh, it makes it makes Dick Grayson feel a little bit uh, out of place. Mm. And I think that's how it should feel. Think about it like this, right? Like, I, I didn't personally grow up with Dick Grayson, but I know that a lot of people did. I know a lot for a lot of people, Dick Grayson is their like their Spider-Man or whatever. Right. Mm. Like, so if that's you, if you're that person then one day you get to become Batman. You know, you can't relate to Bruce. Bruce is an old man. He's impenetrable. He's dark. But Dick Grayson is a, is a light, young person. And by the time you read this, you're probably still a young person. And you're like, holy shit, we get to put the cowl on and become Batman. You'd feel weird, you know? And I love that that is a part of the story. Oh, no, my dad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take on his mantle. Oh, shit. He's back. Guess I'll just keep going. Yes. <laughs> but before that, I'll have a battle for the cow. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which we won't be doing a book club for. No, that was not good. Good art. No. It's Tony Daniel on art. So it's very yeah. Boy, Adam. Well, uh, book club. <laughs> in any event. I, 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 will, um, I will say just to no. bring up that, uh, that Joker part, um, specifically the whole MO of the Joker, just wanting to escape Gotham so he can go into hibernation until Bruce comes back is great. Yeah. Because it kind of mm. just continues that, like, it's a fucking romance between the Joker and Bruce. <laughs> like, in the in the grand scheme of things, that is a romance. And he is not interested in Dick. Well, uh, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I thought that was a really good beat. And, and it showed off what he, eventually happened. He's, we haven't gotten he's not interested in Bruce's dick. Hold on. Wait, mm, I guess this would be Bruce's. Okay. Yep. It also... That also echoes Grant's run. The idea that mm-hmm. uh, the Joker changes and shifts and, you know, evolves. Uh, that the Joker, the, Grant's Joker would do something like this. Just escape, just to go be reborn to match however Bruce is reborn down the road. I love that. Um, really, really smart 
stuff on Scott's part. But this is a this is a Batman who can be tricked. Like uh uh the uh the Zuko daughter, she mm. Sonia Sonia, she tricks him. She uses him, she manipulates him. him. Yeah. Because he's a at the at his core, he's a nice guy. And he wants to believe in people. Obviously he figures it out, but he wants to believe that people are good fundamentally. And he sees that maybe she was not like the perpetrator of all this stuff, but she definitely used him to get what she wanted to get, which was revenge. I, I like that. Like that, that as a beat for Batman works for me really well. Uh, obviously it's not Bruce. And so for me, that as a, like a, a plot point where there's just this one guy who is just that willing to trust and he's a superhero and he needs to be skeptical and that conflicts with that skepticism and the need to be as objective as possible i i enjoyed that because bruce you know would never have trusted and would have been double guessing everything and there would have been a protocol for whatever this 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 but that builds a little bit of for me effective storytelling and some drama yeah let's let's talk about the relationship between uh this version of Batman and Jim Gordon. Uh, this is actually not a pairing that I can recall really ever seeing too much outside of this book. Never really remember seeing them speak to, to each other too much and to get so much dialogue between them and to see that relationship, I thought was pretty nice. Um, we know obviously that Bruce and Jim Gordon have a relationship, but you never really see them talk too much. Jim doesn't really get in his feelings with Bruce. Like, it's not really that type of thing. Whereas Jim Gordon was talking to uh, Dick about his fears about his son, which was pretty cool. Um, I really like their relationship here. And I like the way that it plays on the history of Gotham and the history of all these characters. Realistically, they've probably known each other for around, I don't know, maybe 10 years. It's a long time. And you don't feel the weight of that in most comics. But here, Scott nails that. And it makes sense because this is the same guy who wrote Gates of Gotham, which is all about the history. And, of course, Court of Owls, same thing. It it works. This is, the for me, the relationship that um, gets highlighted, uh, the, the dynamic change. Because there's a moment towards the beginning where he's, like, talking to him. And then he turns around and he's like, what's up? Like, I'm just getting used to the fact that you're still here. Like he recognizes it as well, and that was right. great. I think that sums up the entire relationship. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, you're still here. Cool. That Dick has enough respect for the commissioner that he would still be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. outside of the the costume bits, like this is the guy who went to the prom with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like he treats him like mm-hmm. somebody he's known growing up as a kid. So there is that personal connection that we don't really get with Bruce un- un- until it's like the stories where Gordon knows he's Batman and that kind of veil is is brought down. But like most of the time, there's a, those are different interactions between Bruce and Gordon and Batman and Gordon. Um, where here, they're almost very similar. Like in a way, Jim Gordon is a pseudo father figure to, 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 to Nightwing. And that's where I'm, I'm like, I kind of wish Bruce was gone here too because that yeah. would increase that kind of dynamic there um but yeah i thought i thought it's really good and the fact that you know barbara's kind of still in this as well kind of lends like another wrinkle to it um 
Yeah, just having those like those like one on one conversations where they're in the uh, forensics lab, where they're doing mm-hmm. detective shit, which we get, but they're also just being human to each other, which like even when Bruce is Bruce, he's not fucking human. Like <laughs> he's just like he's doing it. It's a mask, you know. It's not really him. Um, so seeing right. you know just an actual person communicate with another person, it was kind of. I don't want to say heartwarming, but like I can't think of a better word for it yeah. in the book where people are maimed. Um, so, <laughs> it's a and, comparison. Uh, of course, you know these are characters that you would probably see in a Bruce-led Batman story, but it's it's always that twist. It's it's Gotham turning underneath to see different kinds of relationships, and so. Yeah, Jim, Babs, they'd always be there. Even Tim, they'd always be around, Joker. But it's the way that those interactions are different now that there's someone else under the cow that makes this story so interesting. Um, of course, one can make the argument that it relies on that too heavily. Um, but I think because of the fact that Scott didn't have that much time hmm. to, to, to tell stories with Dick Grayson, that's acceptable. If if we got to a year two and it was still kind of like okay the villains are eh but the relationships are strong and the story relies generally on the differences between Dick and Bruce that might not be interesting anymore but for mm-hmm. one story here in these ten issues I think that's fine. And I also think for a character like Dick Grayson, you know, who has literally grown up with the entirety of the DCU, like relationships yeah. are his thing. Mm. yeah totally let's talk about the villains uh we've alluded to that to some degree we've alluded to the fact that gotham spit out new villains for dick grayson to have to contend with um so i i've always felt like the villains were not that strong like Mm. i i like james gordon jr a lot we'll talk about him last but the other ones, like the Roadrunner and the Dealer and stuff like that, um, me, me. they're all right. <laughs> they're they're all right. Um, I don't know if they really like say anything in particular about Dick the way that Bruce's villains are often black mirrors of him to some degree or representative of an aspect of his personality. I don't think that these villains really do that. I think the closest is probably the Dealer. Because, you know, he has his monologue about, you know, evil being the epitome of humanity or whatever. And right. that evil makes humanity the apex species or whatever. Uh, but Dick fundamentally as a person uh, is good. And, you know, he wouldn't stand for that even for a second. Um, but I also expected so much more from the dealer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, like a bigger he, role. Yeah, like he seemed like the kind of character running the type of organization that should be more. Yeah. I I always felt like outside of James Gordon Jr., um you just like the character designs I didn't really care much for. Like uh, <sighs> Especially of the Roadrunner and uh, Tiger Shark. Oh, oh Tiger Shark. Yeah, yeah, one of them is just a, a bandana on his head, and the other one <laughs> has robot legs. Um, and, like, I, I like the characters as a 
representation of what Gotham is like. You know, you have Dick, who is constantly in this book talking about how he never wants to have roots in Gotham. He's always kind of on the move. He's changing. Mm -hmm. And these are characters who have roots in Gotham. They've kind of, they've grown on Gotham and kind of absorbed the evilness of it. Um, so I guess maybe that's a mirror of, of Dick in a way. Um, what happens if you stay, really? Mm. But um, I just never really care for the designs of them. Everyone's kind of lackluster. And I think when you have a, when you have Batman villains, like even the Condiment King is cooler than these guys. Um, <laughs> and especially previously with like I mentioned Flamingo and Professor Pig, who are essentially Dick Batman villains that got introduced in Batman and Robin. Um, and the new and improved Red Hood is also part of that. Uh, I think they just are kind of boring. Um, yeah. But the idea that they, that he is building this rogues gallery for him almost I always felt like the there was more to this that got pulled out from underneath yeah. the story. It, and it's pretty clear that obviously Scott Snyder is capable of introducing interesting Batman villains because he does that. The Court of Owls, mm -hmm. probably the most you know storied Batman villains to come out of the last at least ten years, maybe twenty. Uh, Professor Bloom. Uh, also, love Professor or Mr. Bloom, whatever. Uh, uh, also, Mr. Bloom. Yep. Mr. Bloom, also a tremendous villain who I think should get a role in like at least an appearance in an animated show, if not a movie. Um, he, he's currently in a comic right now, Sean. Where is he at? Uh, Task Force Z. Oh, it's cool. uh, pretty good, actually. It's nice. Jason That's Todd's, Rosenberg. Um, uh, yeah, with Eddie Barrows in art. So it's very good. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, we know that Scott can do it. I just think here that was probably his not really his like uh, his mission statement. I think I wonder how much he knew about what his future was as it relates to getting the big job down the road and what he might have been saving, what he might have, you know, you know, some something like that. Um, especially the Sonya Zuko stuff like that felt like it was seeding something that we never get. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but I, think that was like the I think we got it recently, or fairly recently, in uh, Nightwing. Current Nightwing? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. She, I thought oh. she was Joe Chill's daughter or something like that. I think she's someone else's daughter. I don't, I don't remember. No, she was the um, one of the boss guy's daughters. Um, I'm afraid his name. He's, he's one of the big villains in like the first arc and a half. It's not her. But it is the same kind of idea. Yeah, I just looked yeah. her up. It's not the same character, but yeah. Yeah, I liked Sonia Sonya a lot. Um I but again, like I wanted more. You know, mm -hmm. we all of the villains, we don't really get too much of them. And I thought she was the one who had the most potential to lead to something. Uh and again, if we had a year two, I think that's something that probably develops a lot more. But you know, uh it is what it is. Let's talk about James Gordon Jr. though. Um so for those of you who, who might not you know, have put this together or whatever, this is, of course, the same child from year one who falls off the bridge and is saved by, by Batman. And the implication or the question mark is, did that fall impact his brain or his you know, emotions or something to make him what he is, which is basically a psychopath. Um, I really love there are so many question marks as to why he is who he is. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that there it feels like this is a, you know, 
not as not a successor to year one per se, but that it's on the same track. The fact that it's, you know, a story that takes place probably about, you know, 20 years post. Um, and you have this child who now has risen up to be an antagonist. You have Jim Gordon still around the connective tissue of him and Dick Grayson. Uh, the fact that Jim has moved on and now has married Sarah, who I presume is the same Sarah from year one and is no longer with the original Barbara. Um, all that stuff just felt like, you know, Scott very much saying, hey, this belongs in that same uh, that same line, which I really enjoy. Um, and again, it shows how how I have a theory about Gotham that might not be Scott's uh, and it might not be anybody's. But to me, Gotham has like a, a magnetic pull and it pulls people in that it needs. And all the characters who are the main players in this story as it relates to Bruce or Dick and his supporting cast and James are transplants. They're not from Gotham, right? They were pulled into Gotham by Gotham in my mind, mm -hmm. and they have a part to play. Uh, and I, I feel that even Bruce, who's not a transplant, he's a child of Gotham, but something horrific happened in Gotham that creates Batman, Gotham's greatest protector. So I say all this to say James wasn't necessarily done in by the fall. And even if he was, it doesn't matter because it happened inside of Gotham. Gotham took a person who would have been a normal person and twisted him and made him a monster that now Dick Grayson who doesn't even want to be here has to deal with. Hmm. Uh, I see the, I see your point on like Gotham, not necessarily, I guess that like they're not being necessarily somebody or something to blame in that scenario. And it feels like uh, Jim is trying to figure out the why, and that's where he starts to get, lost or too close and then he he tells that to um to dick where he's like hey i'm i am too close to this i'm getting emotional because i'm trying to understand why my son is this way and it's affecting me and it's affecting my objectivity and i need him to jump in um yeah i think that i think that makes sense um i i think he's a cool villain for um for dick because again he's the antithesis to him he's 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 like a, a, an actual psychopath and and evil and looks to harm people whereas dick's gonna save everybody that he can along the way um and i think some of that starts to bleed into jim um especially at the end where he saves him from the fall and i think that's another good callback is this time it's not batman right this time it is his, it is his father. It is him who is not giving up and pulling him back up, even after shooting him in the leg. Right, like he's he's not giving up. He's not um, abandoning him. He's not letting him fall down even further than where he is. Um, and I thought that was nice. It it is nice how Jim Gordon gets to essentially be the hero of this. And I, I assume we're going to be talking about Jim Gordon because he's essentially the second billing on this this whole yeah. run. Just like um, year one. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think I think when you first mentioned, like, oh, this is like year one, I'm like, I don't really see it. But as you described that, like, this yeah. is essentially Dick's year one, you know? 
Um, the only difference is that Jim Gordon is still around, but he's he's on year 20, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, he's leveled up a little bit more. So having him be that guiding force for for Dick is is a really interesting thing. Um, I, I really like James Gordon Jr. as a villain because it is almost in a way different from all of Batman's other villains. A, because he's never really been a Bruce Batman villain. I think right. he might have interacted in like one or two stories, but he's really a Batgirl, Dick yeah. Grayson, Batman villain. Um, he showed up in a couple other things, but him and Bruce's interactions have been minimal at best. Um, but it's also like, this is what happens when you grow up in Gotham. And even even Jim mentions it. He's like, is there, there's something wrong with the city that kind of seeps in through the, through the ground, the foundations. Um, and this is what it creates. Like you, you talk about people that have come into Gotham, you know, one of the main points that they keep reiterating is, uh, uh, Dick's map that his parents had, where they would yeah. mark maps on the point on, on each thing of where they were going and what kind of shows they needed to put on. And, and Gotham was always a black pin, which really meant, Oh, we got to put on the best show possible here. But it being a black pin really meant like, Oh, this place, this is the bad place. <laughs> um, and seeing that guy who kind of comes into Gotham, as the hero and the savior counter and the counterpoint being the one who really grew up there and was formed by it being a much less flashy mm. psychopath is the exact opposite. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Dick comes into Gotham Yeah, and becomes Robin and then they're, you know, there and has his whole history. But James leaves Gotham mm-hmm. and is from Gotham. Yeah, like like uh like he like when they moved to Chicago, Gotham had already seeped into his pores yeah. and his yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. I I had the thought um like it's been about 10 years. So we're all the uh psychopath babies cuz that'll be a cool story to follow up on. The the ones that got all like the um, the, yeah, the diaxamine or whatever. Yeah, and been from Recon, baby. Yeah, that would have been, been, been a crazy, Good old uh, flash crazy story. Also, do you expect comics to work in the same kind of time that us, our time works? I'm just saying. We're still figuring nice. out daylight savings, let alone comic book time. Dude, it's a whole different Marco, story. I'm right there with you, man. I remember when I first read this and I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen in like 10 years? They're going to follow up on this? I was a, I was a young <laughs> yeah, buck. Nah. It's called I Barbados. Was a young <laughs> Barbados, Barbados. It's death, death metal. It, it didn't end well. It didn't end well. <laughs> oh man! Um, so this book actually has some really great art, and we haven't touched on it quite yet. Also, um, some not so great art. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I'll start. I'll start. Uh, the so th- so it's worth pointing <clears throat> out, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but the story is essentially broken up into like two different mm-hmm. pieces. There's the like uh, the I know there's the Hungry City storyline and the Black Mirror and the, but then there's also the Skeleton Key and that stuff. So the the what I when I was reading this I was interpreted the main stuff to be what Jock did, which is not necessarily true that's just how it was in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um and then the backup stuff that became the main stuff towards the end was what Francovilla did. Um, and I thought it was all great. I like the skeleton key story for the fact that it's a little bit darker and creepier. Um, uh, Francovilla's art is very like 
much more moody, I thought, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, darker. And, it, you know, it fit the tone of those stories. That's where we follow more the the the, 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 the James Gordon, you know, creep griminess of it. You know, his backstory, Jim Gordon's, you know, uh, uh, one the one that got away mystery. Um, which I really liked as well. There's a lot of great stuff in that, which you haven't really touched on too much. But from an art perspective, um, I really liked that that stuff. I thought it was all really great. The, the use of colors in those stories was fantastic as well. Um, uh, just a lot of like reds there, which makes sense because most of that stuff deals with a family of redheads, but reds all over. Um, of course, you would which, notice that part. Well. I, 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 hey, I'm talking about you know Jim and James, man. It's all it's all uh, these like pulp, uh, pulp colors, yeah, um, yeah. Know, contrasting, and uh, you got purple to contrast the orange. You got um, these blues to contrast the reds. There's just a lot of um, yeah. You said it, moody. It's 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 um, it almost feels like like there's a there's an ambiance to everything, and all of the scenes have um, these shadows, and and that's just the that's just the Frank Villa style. I love that stuff. And I, I love, love when he calls himself. I love Frank Villa. Yeah. Um, you, mean- you can tell Frank Villa is working with these colors. Yeah. Adding mm-hmm. some nuance. Yep. Yeah. And it's all him. He, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he mm-hmm. colored his own stuff here. So He does. Yep. Yeah. Mm, Jock. I have mixed feelings about Jock. Okay. Yeah. All right. I love Jock, but go ahead. Depends. Depends what it is. Depends the. Um, hey, you know what? I can actually show a panel now, right? Ah, <laughs> look at I you. No, uh, there's still a glare. <laughs> I think it's your lighting <laughs> situation, Marco. <laughs> this is this is the. Uh, that's one of the first things that I noticed was this, decreasing face. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Some, he, yeah. He, he, does, he does not do faces all that well. Motion, action. He, he yeah. finds the. Yeah the the good um sort of the the best highlight of a moment to capture awesome but faces and like being emotive i don't think he captures very well i think he captures pain okay but it's the quiet moments where i don't think it really works yeah yeah i hate to agree um but there were like i felt like his choice for what dick's face looks like i didn't really love and like just in general um almost every time i see it i'm like eh don't love that um, but the action part, seeing, you know, Batman doing acrobatics, flipping in, in the air and, you know, zipping around on the zip line. I thought all that was awesome. Seeing him face off with a shark or whatever, or, you know, uh, a whale, whatever that was. Um, all that was really cool. It's funny. Um, first of all, a killer whale is actually a dolphin. Um, second of all, uh, yeah, I don't think they're actually whales. Don't quote me on that. I, I tried being smart, but now I'm questioning myself. Um, but uh, I, I look at this jock, and then I look at the jock from like witches. Um, and the difference there is time, but also the colorist uh, Matt Hollingsworth. I think is traditionally mm. what who is colored jock. Mm. Um, and I think jock works a lot better when you work with the shadows and you make things a little darker and they're a little yeah. muddied. They um, did witches, right? They did witches. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Oh, that was great. That yeah. I, I see exactly what you mean. Okay. Yeah, because I think when he's color a little too flat, or maybe not flat's not the word, but like it's a little too light here. There's a lot of like 
the lighting is office room. You know what I mean? Mm. Like mm. it's not this brooding, dark, uh, demented horror kind of thing. I get a lot of fluorescent lighting in this, um, which I don't think works to Jock's benefit. Um, I still think it's good. And, and this is probably my first, this, this would have been my first introduction to Jock as a, as an artist, I think, um, when it first came out. Um, and it was enough to sell me on like, oh, there's a new Jock book coming out. I'm checking that out. Totally. Um, yep. But I think seeing his evolution, you can see, oh, he's gotten, he's either gotten real good, or like much better, or the coloring has really helped him. And it wasn't really helping him here. Yeah, um, I, I can agree to that. Because I, whenever I think of Jock, I think of like, you know, he's a go-to for me. Um, so, yeah, I think this just wasn't his best at bat for whatever reason um but again there's a lot of good here i think in, in even in in the jock parts the covers um, though i was just about to say that yep. yeah that joker yeah. cover is probably one of the most iconic batman covers of all time and it's probably the most recent iconic batman cover i can think of does that does that track hmm. off the top of my head yeah sure yeah yeah like that shit's oh, on merch the... you know like yeah. <laughs> when your cover is all over merch it's it's on those like you can see somebody wearing a hat oh, with that Joker on it, also drinking a monster and like wearing cargo <laughs> shorts at a seven eleven. Like it's that kind of Yeah. You know, important in a way. How nasty was it when uh I think Evelyn is her name just falls out of the whale? Love that. That was cool. Like, Sport. You could just hear that shit. Yeah. The whale literally just opens up. And she falls out of its stomach. That is one of the nastiest things I've seen in a uh, in a Batman book. Definitely hamper the conversation. I don't get it. Um, they were having a conversation. That wasn't that wasn't yeah, a joke. Was, wasn't <laughs> <fun>. oh. <laughs> your, delivery, your delivery was like a pun, but oh, um, they are dolphins. I just looked. Up. I I was just about to say that. Yes, I, I checked as well. They are dolphins. Oh, about this when when Barbara, I don't stuff. Yeah, that was messed up. Don't like that, that was, but I like that I don't like it. Yeah, we're yeah we're supposed to hate it. I hate it. She looks like um, uh, uh, the wife of Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Oh, Shelley yeah, Duvall. Sure. Nobody Duvall. in the history of history has ever looked like Shelley Duvall. Tell me, she doesn't. I mean, it's also not a real person, but I agree. The Shining is my favorite movie of all time. So I'm a, I like really it. Well, you. My my feeling on you being a dark person becomes more and more true. Almost every week. Can I do a little addendum about The Shining real quick? Yeah. I met a girl on, uh, on Tinder, and she tried out. Uh, we went to go see The Shining. At, uh, it was the uh, a- AFC, IFC, IFC Center in, um, mm. in New York City. And uh, she tried to get a little handy during the movie. And I said, watch the movie. It's The Shining. In there. <laughs> in there. I was like, you, you can't do this now. This is The Shining. <laughs> That's how important The Shining is to me. Midnight screening, too. This is like... We're like one thirty in the morning. Come on, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was that your last date? No, no, we kept going. Oh. I'm a good date, Sean. I'm a good date. <laughs> well, you now haven't taken married. me out, so I wouldn't know that. That's true. That's true. Let's <laughs> <That's> see <laughs> a Comic Con. How about that? Will I really? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'll pay for your flight. Anyway, um, I'll, I'm gonna fly I'll you out. I'll on that. I'm gonna fly yeah, you yeah, out. Yeah, just uh. Put it on the company card. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so 
I think I think we've we've touched on everything I wanted to talk about. Gordon, we didn't talk about Gordon Senior. Yeah, we did. What do you what do you have to say about well, Gordon Senior? So I want to. So the one part of, and I guess maybe I'm talking about Snyder's run in general, is that he brings Gordon back way more in his current, like his, his his further run, where it's so much that you know, spoiler, Gordon becomes Batman, and seeing that evolution of how he wrote Gordon here. And it's very natural evolution to what it, what it becomes later on in his Batman run was really interesting because that whole Gordon Batman arc storyline or whatever, probably my second favorite storyline in all of Snyder's run. Um, yeah, I love that. Super happy. Oh, so awesome. Good. But yeah. yeah. And that contrasted with like, there, there are seats here. You can tell he's like seeing that Gotham is this place that, that needs something better and maybe Batman isn't all there is to it you know and becoming batman is eventually what happens but uh yeah it's just, i love gordon so much you know i dropped i, I yeah. dropped that um i dropped new really? 52 just as super heavy came out oh dude and and i re- i regretted it because i had the book and it never read it i just had it and i was like nah I, I i get it and i never went back i think a lot of people gave up on scott snyder's batman around that same time and i think every single one of them made a mistake yeah, oh, I, up. yeah I, everybody everybody is that i've met that's when the joker stuff that. gets real good too my like death single of the family death of the family is not good um everything else around it's really good oh, okay. my single favorite issue of batman is in scott snyder's run hmm. which i did not think i would say at the start of it which one but uh, it's the so that I think that run was 52 issues long, whatever it was. It's the issue before the last issue. Okay, is that like with the rebirth stuff and Bruce's yeah, forgetting? Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I own that it issue. Was, it's one of the few ones I have the entire run of. So I would love to do I, I don't know how we would do it, but I would love to do that for a book club uh, one day. Oh, yeah, just read 52 oh, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saga again. Let's just do that again. I'm I'm not shying away from it. I want a reason to read it again. So, dude, the uh, Snyder Batman Omnibuy, that's very it's very nice. They have this glossy slipcase on it. That's uh, it's nice. It's good stuff. I I did want to add a little bit more since you brought up Jim. Uh, this version of Jim Gordon very much feels like twenty years have passed since year mm-hmm. one, and he still feels pain and regret for all the bad things that happened during that, including what he did wrong. The Sarah aspects, not being able to save his son, all of that feels like it still haunts him. And I love the fact that we have a writer in Scott Snyder who doesn't let that go, you know, whereas in Grant's run, you know, Gordon's there, but Gordon's not really that relevant. Like he's fine, but he's more like, in the, in the very early uh, issues to showcase like, oh no, the Joker's nuts. Um, whereas here he's a real character. And I think writers often forget about Jim. And it's like, no, Jim is, Jim is the, the, the hero of, the hero that Gotham deserves. Batman's the hero Gotham needs, but I think Jim is the hero Gotham deserves. Um, and I really like the fact that he has a full arc where he often doesn't. Um, Barbara, Barbara, though, I, I, I was about to say she's less served, but then I thought about how she stabbed her brother in the eye, and I was like, actually, yeah, that Yo, was pretty Yo, how cool. does he eat that? Because <laughs> he's psychotic. 
What he just like they're like, oh, you stabbed my empathy part. Didn't exist in the first place. <laughs> I'm okay. Gamer rage. That's it. Oh, that's true. He's got real incel gamer rage. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I can see it. But but the whole fact that he he stabbed Barbara and both of her paralyzed legs, and she can't feel it, and that reveal, like I forgot that reveal happens. Yeah. And then when I read it again, yeah. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And that she would bleed out and die if she pulled them out, even if she didn't feel it. Yeah, like it she would matter. just die. Yeah. <laughs> and so she fucking good old, does. <laughs> good old sibling rivalries. <laughs> kids will be kids. And 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 Scott does such a great job of showcasing James as a really creepy guy all throughout. Whether yeah. before you know that he's a, a murderer, he's a creep. And yeah. you you almost feel bad. I know well, I'll speak for myself. I felt bad for him. Like, damn maybe he, he's autistic you know i don't know what is necessarily going on as the story unfolds i don't mean no i don't mean that as a, as a denigration <laughs> i, I, I just mean, mean like um you know i felt i felt for him like damn he doesn't know how to appeal to people but he's just trying to live and people always shit on him and it's not fair specifically the parts where like he tries to joke and it doesn't come out right right and i'm like i've 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 dealt with that person before you know Sure. Like that's a person that th this villain feels like an actual person I've come into contact with. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder the kind of research he did to make that feel as convincing as it did. Cause it, it definitely like unnerved me on certain pages and certain interactions. And I forgot that I felt that the first time I read this. Exactly. And then the part is a genius on Scott's part to say, well, what, okay. You thought that he killed that girl. No, it was actually this, uh, this serial killer um, pedophile that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that Jim Gordon couldn't deal with. So it's actually, in, in, in a way, Jim's fault again. You know what I'm saying? And they keep doing that. Oh, you think that that um, that uh, uh, James is on a rampage again? No, the Joker's loose. He did this That's to right. his mother. Then it's like, no, James did this to his mother. This dude is gone. Even even in the beginning, like the first time we actually sit and talk with James, you know, he says, oh, I killed the uh, the waitress and her head's clogging up the toilet or whatever. And as they're talking, you see the water coming out of the bathroom. And it's like, oh, OK, cool. That's a swerve. Love that. But then Jim goes into the bathroom and the sinks are flooded. Right. Which is a pretty fucked up thing to do to, a you know, an eating establishment in the first place. But. You know. I would say it's a it's a well timed joke. That's uh that's some some build up to it. <laughs> um, but it's physical just, prop work too. I'm into follow it. through, yeah. Yeah. It's just but it's all just to stir the pot for uh Jim. And that was yeah. great tension. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's like my the only criticism that I will lob at the James aspect is that I really wish he had just well i don't wish this but the fact that he stands around and talks about what he's gonna do and what he's mm -hmm. been doing i really didn't like that i felt like that character people do that in real life and in these stories because of their ego and their pride and all that stuff and james never came across as that person before and for him to just slip into a monologue felt inauthentic to me and babs yeah. calls him on that yeah she's like yeah. i I thought you were, you know, different, but you're just another Gotham City maniac. Right. And her calling him on it for me doesn't absolve the writing 
from doing it in the first place. Mm. Well, and and what sort of overall, like the stuff that happens, you know, in regards to what did James do and what didn't he do for me came across as kind of muddled. Hmm. You know, it, it wasn't always so clear cut, you know, when you narrow it down. So even him being in that position is like, okay, well, wait, what did he actually do? What is he taking credit for? Well, he starts to list off all the people he's like off, right? Like, what do you mean? They also like find out like all the places he's been. There's been murders and all the keys that he has, or, like digital keys, and there's been murders to those houses. But I, I do see Kale. I am confused about the best thing because didn't the guy previously admit to the killing of her? No, uh, like a couple er- issues earlier. Okay. No, he he says that he did go. And he was going to kill James, but he was so horrified by James that he did nothing. Mm, okay. All right, right, right. So the implication is he did kill her then. Yeah, because he yeah. still has the keys. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see James come back. He's come back. I'd like to see yeah. James in the next Batman movie. Mm. Jeffrey Wright having to deal with that could who? be fun. What happened? What kill? Against who? GCPD HBO series. Ooh, wait a minute. I like that better. I got you. Wow, that's crazy. Wait, wait. That's Bat Gordon's Girl. A plot there. Um, let's you lost it. <laughs> we have Brendan Fraser as Firefly in that. I don't think it's going to really <laughs> mesh. Those tones are a little different. <laughs> they don't have to be. They don't have to be. No, you're right. They don't have to be. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our conversation about Batman Black Mirror. Uh, this is a book that I'm really glad we read it again because I just haven't gone back to it in a while. I haven't had a reason to. Um, but it, for me, it lived up to what I think about it when I think about it. Um, Scott Snyder obviously would go on to do great things with Batman down the road, but this is sort of his foundation. And I love his take on Gotham and everybody who inhabits it. So let us know your thoughts about this run, uh, if you have read it, or your thoughts about our conversation on the run. There are plenty of ways for you to get in contact with us. Anywhere you listen to this right now, there's a comment section where you can leave us a comment, or you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. If you're on YouTube, youtube.com slash thecomicspals, make sure that you leave us a like, share this video with your friends, drop us a comment, and most importantly, subscribe to our channel for more content like this. If you enjoyed it, of course, twitch.tv slash the comics pals every single Saturday. What, Tyler? If they didn't like it, you know, I don't No, No, I'm confused. I'm looking at like because I, I bought this when it first came out and I never read it since oh. until now. But I'm reading I'm like this thing was $16.99 back then. <laughs> Is that a bad I just, price? I was sorry. I was uh, amazed by inflation while you were doing the plugs. And my face was just I was like, there's no way. 10 issues would be $16.99 now. That's easily a $30 book. Even in soft cover. Yeah. In trade. Every Saturday at 10 in the morning, twitch.tv slash comics pals for the main show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern for Pals Pulls. That is our weekly review show where we're reviewing comics from everywhere, although mostly Marvel and DC because, you know, reasons. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Black fans keep roasting us whenever we do an image book. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. 
uh they're in for a rude awakening because we'll be doing every single issue of radiant anything going forward because people watch them whether they hate watch them <laughs> or love watch them i don't care throw those views over our way it's, it's that one guy just picking out everything we say wrong over and over he just keeps rewatching it <laughs> not even wrong he's just a hater anyway <laughs> thank you so much for listening until next month we're the comics pal signing off take care guys see you next month